Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. What a powerful word. I love that he said that. He didn't encounter a strong-armed God. Instead, uh, he encountered an amazingly loving God. And I believe that's a prophetic word for some of you here this morning today, that either watching online or here in person, that you've viewed God as this horrible taskmaster up in heaven trying to make your life miserable. And uh, what a beautiful, beautiful picture that Chris just painted for us that, uh, that that's not the image that he bowed down to. Instead, uh, we serve a loving, loving Heavenly Father. Well, this past week, we kicked off our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want to say thank you to everybody who's been a part of that and joined uh, with us this past week. And I'll just tell you that it's not too late. And so if you're like, well, I've not been to church in weeks, so I didn't hear anything about the announcements leading up to uh, the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and you say, I'm not on the email list, so I've not seen it in emails, well, let's correct that today. Fill out a Connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. Drop it off in the offering box on your way out and say, please add me to the subscription, email subscription. I want to receive email updates. We'll correct it that way. Or you say, I missed last week and I didn't know it was happening. Well, let me just tell you, it's okay. Join today. Right, join with us uh, over the next two two more weeks as we engage in 21 days of prayer and fasting. Last week I preached about it. If you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and listen online. As a staff, all of us are going on this journey together, and so each of us are fasting something, and we are believing for breakthrough. And so we are partnering our prayer and fasting with your prayers, and we are believing God to do the miraculous. And so uh, I just want to encourage you, if you have a prayer request, feel free to share it with us. Last week, I shared something that I just want to share briefly again this morning. I talked about the story of when Elijah was on the mountain with the prophets of Baal. And the prophets of Baal were crying out to, to, to their God. They were slashing themselves, and they couldn't get his attention because he doesn't exist. And then Elijah prayed this very simple prayer and accomplished supernatural results. When he prayed this, super, uh, this simple prayer, then fire came from heaven and consumed the sacrifice and dried up all of the water around it. And I said last week, and I'm just saying to you today, that maybe there are some of you who feel inadequate when it comes to prayer. And you feel like you don't have the vocabulary or the knowledge to even know where to begin to pray. And I just want to encourage you to put aside your perceived inadequacy and call out to God. Pray a simple prayer and expect supernatural results. So again, if you missed last week, feel free to watch online at crosspointwaverly.com or YouTube or Facebook or Spotify. This morning I want to talk about a topic that I think oftentimes ends up at the extremes. And when it ends at the extremes, then we miss the mark. When it comes to spiritual warfare, there are some people who believe that the devil is around every bush and every corner and that the devil causes everything. That's one extreme. The next extreme are people who don't believe in spiritual warfare at all and never view anything that's happening through a spiritual lens. They only view it through a practical lens. So today, I hope that by the end of this message, that if there are any of you who are at these two extremes, that you would move from the extremes this morning and bring your vision and your understanding and your knowledge of God and of the devil in alignment to his word and be somewhere right in here. 
that for those of you who blame the devil for everything, that you'll quit giving him that much credit. And for those of you who view everything through a natural lens, that today you'll begin to look at what's happening in your life through a spiritual lens, and if it's spiritual warfare, that you'll begin to engage. So as I prayed about what to preach this week, I felt like the Holy Spirit kept drawing me back to this topic of spiritual warfare. In our staff meeting on Monday, I shared with our staff what happened to me last Sunday morning. And I shared what happened to me last Sunday morning for a couple of reasons. One is I wanted them to know that if they're experiencing spiritual warfare, they're not alone. And secondly, I wanted them to know how to respond to it. And so in sharing it with the staff, I I realized that maybe there are some of you, quite possibly, who are also experiencing spiritual attacks. And so I want to just take a moment and share with you, it's a minor thing of what happened to me uh, last week, but I want to share it with you for a couple of reasons, the same reasons with the staff. Number one, that you'll realize that if you're experiencing spiritual warfare, that you're not alone. And then secondly, you'll know how to respond with it. So last Sunday morning, I woke up with literal heartburn, okay? So uh, I'm not going to make that spiritual, right? I'm just going to say I woke up with heartburn, and it's most likely from what I ate the night before. So I'm not going to over-spiritualize something that is very practical. Every Sunday morning, I'm nervous before I get up here. That's just a normal pattern of what happens in my life. I take this responsibility very seriously, and so I'm not going to overplay it and describe to you uh, the manifestations that, that, know, that make me know that I'm nervous every Sunday, but I'll just tell you that those of you who are closest to me know that I get nervous every single Sunday. But last Sunday, I woke up with this anxiousness for no reason, and so I, I woke up, I got a shower, I came to church, I practiced the message a couple of times in my office, I came up here uh, during the worship rehearsal and just thought maybe during worship rehearsal I'll just push through this and still just feeling very anxious. And it was anxious for no reason. One is, the message was prepared. I had sent the manuscript off to the media team, they had uh, come up with the slides for Sunday, so I was prepared, so no reason to feel anxious about that because I was prepared. The second thing is I was preaching about prayer and fasting, not really a topic that's going to catch national news and get our church canceled. It's not really a controversial topic. It's prayer and fasting, and so again, no reason to feel anxious about that. In addition to that, there's no uh, perceived or real tension that I feel with anybody in the church, so there wasn't, I wasn't expecting a difficult conversation with anybody on Sunday. So again, I'm just saying all of that to say that there was no reason for me to feel that anxious coming in to Sunday morning. So we come up for prayer time at 8 o'clock, which all of you are invited to be a part of. If you want to, 8 o'clock, we gather right here for prayer, uh, pre, pre-service prayer. And still just couldn't shake this anxious feeling with inside of me. And worship begins. And I'm recognizing this for what it is. And I'm not going to bow down to it. I'm not going to go through the motions and just fake it up here last Sunday and, pro- and do this, perform this very spiritual act of proclaiming God's word in the flesh. And so I was committed to push uh, through that, and I'm so grateful 
that I did. So during worship, I just did battle. And I'm going to talk about that later in the message of some practical things that I did. And as I pushed through, I felt like the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit impressed two words for me to share with the congregation while I was preaching that weren't in my notes. And then after second service, uh, an individual word for somebody else. And here's what I believe is had I not done the spiritual warfare on the front end, then I would have missed the opportunity for God to use me in a more powerful way on last Sunday than he did. And so I share it with you to just say, listen, let's recognize spiritual warfare for what it is. Let's recognize God for who he is. Let's recognize that we are his children and let's not bow down to it. So again, I realize that if this happened to me, it's possible that it's happening to some of you. And uh, Paul recognized that it was happening to other believers in the church of Ephesus. And so he wrote uh, some instructions about it found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10 is where we're going to begin reading today. So I'd encourage you to turn in your Bibles there or scroll on your digital devices to Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. It's also going to appear on the screen. Here's what Paul writes. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. To that end, Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. So this morning we ask that as we dive into this sword of the spirit that you've given to us, that you would open up our eyes to see, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand, and the courage to be obedient to what your word says. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we talked about prayer and fasting. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount didn't say, if you pray or if you fast. Instead, twice in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, when you pray, And then when it came to fasting, he says, when you fast. These are two spiritual disciplines that Jesus treated as assumed practices as followers of Jesus. That believers are people who fast and people who pray. So in the same way, when we get to Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is writing a a letter about spiritual warfare. And I don't believe that if just one or two people were struggling with this, that Paul would have included this in, in, in his letter. Instead, I believe that spiritual warfare is par for the course for followers of Jesus, right? We're going to experience spiritual warfare at some point in our race of faith. And so Paul addresses this 
And in verse number 11, he says, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then in verse number 12, he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The devil is scheming to destroy the capital C church of which all of us are part. And Paul reminds us that it's not flesh and bone that we wrestle against, but instead against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The commentary that bears the name Ephesians said it this way. In Ephesians, we can observe a rather significant transformation of the tradition at this point. Blood and flesh are not the enemy. Blood and flesh are under the control of the enemy. And then it says the church must struggle against that enemy, not against the victims of that enemy. That's a good word. People are not our enemy, right? They're not. And so, in fact, if people are our enemy, you know what the Bible tells us to do? To love them and to pray for those who persecute us. Okay? Our enemy, as Paul writes, are the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And there are people who are victims of that enemy. And so what do we do? How do we size up this opponent and how do we prepare ourselves for battle? Well, the first thing that we've got to do is decide whose team we're going to be on. Whose team are we going to be on? Which side are you going to fight for? God has given all of us a free will. He's given us the opportunity to choose him or to choose the devil. And so will we serve light or will we serve darkness? Will we spend an eternity in heaven or spend an eternity in hell? Will we join the winning team or the losing team? And some of you this morning might be like, I'm not on God's team or the devil's team. I'm my own person. How dare you even think that I need God or the devil? I'm my own. And I'll just tell you that if that's the way that you're thinking this morning, you are delusional. Because Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse number 30, that whoever is not for me is against me. So which side will you choose? I hope that by the end of this message today that you'll choose God's side. This is an area where we have to pick a side. We don't get to stay in the middle on this one. And by the very nature of not choosing God, then we choose the devil. And some of you love a good underdog story, right? Some of you love when somebody who has no chance comes back and wins a national championship or they upset a team and they win it and you love a real underdog story and there are plenty of movies made about those types of moments. And I'll just tell you that no matter how many people choose to follow the devil, no matter how many people he can convince to join his team, the outcome is not going to be any different. He still won't win. His fate is sealed and nothing's gonna change that. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 10. I hope you're taking notes. I hope that you're writing this stuff down and that this week you're not just gonna take my word for it, but instead you're gonna look back into this and you're gonna see this and you're gonna let it settle into your spirit. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. 
Misery loves company. This is the end result for the devil, and he wants as many to join him in this place of eternal torment as possible. For those of you who choose Jesus, you're on the winning team. In fact, Paul writes in a different letter, in Romans chapter 8, verse number 31, he says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? And he continues in verse number 37, within all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So the first thing when it comes to spiritual warfare that we have to decide is whose team are we going to be on. The second thing that we need to determine is, and see is, is realize how big God is. When we face spiritual battles, the next thing that we have to do is recognize how big God is. Paul writes in verse number 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And before I go any further in this message, let me talk to you about the context that this verse finds itself immediately within this letter in the entire book of the Bible. Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 5 talks about the household code, and it continues into Ephesians chapter 6. And in this, Paul talks about the relationship between a husband and a wife and parents and their children and uh, uh, indentured servants to their masters. And here's what he says about these things. He says that a husband should not be passive in his faith and said that he should set the spiritual tone in the house and love God and serve his family well. And in the context of a God-fearing man laying down his life for his wife, which is what we're called to do as men of God, just like Christ laid down his life for the church, the wife is, uh, in that context, then a wife there would be, uh, would be submission. Oh, I'm just going to read it. And in the context of a God-fearing man laying down his life for his wife, that there would be submission of the wife. There we go. Then he transitions to the relationships of parents and children. And he says that children should honor their parents and obey them. And he follows that up directly behind that by saying, parents, don't be jerks to your children. These are the codes that he's given to us. And I don't think that it's any coincidence that he would immediately follow up this, this stuff with spiritual warfare. He talks about the relationship between a bondservant and their masters, which we can apply to a relationship between an employer or supervisor and the employee. And so again, it's no coincidence that he would go straight from this into a passage about spiritual warfare. And so undoubtedly, in an audience this large and those who are watching online, there are people who are listening to the sound of my voice who have a breakdown in the relationship between a husband and a wife. Undoubtedly, there are some where there is a breakdown between parents and children. Maybe for others, there's a breakdown between the employer and the employee. And I hope that as followers of Jesus, that we would ask the Holy Spirit to help us discern, is this breakdown because of physical and practical reasons, or is this breakdown because of a result of spiritual warfare? And I think that the reason why Paul puts it in this context is because there was spiritual warfare going on. The enemy was waging war against families. And Paul knew it. 
And so it's why he gives us the instructions immediately following it. Some of you are facing spiritual attacks in these areas and you need to recognize it and do battle. In verse 10, Paul writes, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Another way of saying this is be empowered with the strength of the Lord's might. What a statement, to be empowered with the strength of the Lord's might. We serve a mighty and a powerful God. Jeremiah put it this way in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse number 17. Ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So we're to be empowered with the strength of the Lord's might, the one who made the heavens and the earth, with just the mention of his voice and the great power of his outstretched arm. The psalmist in in Psalm chapter 147, verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. So we're to be empowered with the strength of the Lord's might. And the psalmist writes, is abundant in power. His power is limitless and can't be exhausted. And this this is what we're to do. So as we face spiritual battles, we have to know whose side we're on and secondly, how big God is. Third, in verse number 11 and verse number 13, we're to put on God's armor. Verse number 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Paul draws on the tradition of putting on God's armor that's found in Isaiah chapter 59, verse number 17. It says he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Verse 13 says to put on the whole armor of God to withstand and to stand firm. To withstand and to stand firm. The armor that the church is to clothe itself in is truth and righteousness, readiness given by the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so Paul illustrates it in verses 14 through 17, and he gives this imagery that says, Therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is God's armor that we're to put on. This past week, my son Jacob and Pastor Levinsky were in here. We were uh, working on some sound issues, and I began to share with them what I was going to be talking about this Sunday and talking about God's armor that we put on. And Jacob's like, I have an analogy for you, Dad. And I said, lay it on me. He said, why in the world would I drive my old raggedy truck when I can drive your truck. Why in the world would we try to put on some old, raggedy, ineffective armor when our heavenly Father says to us, put on my armor? I said, son, that'll preach. I'm going to share it this Sunday. We clothe ourselves in his armor, and then we plug into his power. In verse number 18, it says, and praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. So last Sunday morning, there were a couple of things that I did during worship. I kept pushing through in prayer. 
Right before Christmas, I shared a message where uh, I talked about Psalm chapter 100 that says, I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. And so one of the things that I did last week in the midst of what I felt was the spiritual warfare going on is I said, Lord, I've entered your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. And so I pushed through. And so for some of you who've come in distracted today, for some of you who, who the weight of the world and everything else is crashing in around you, I just want to encourage you that when you come into this place of worship that you would give 100%. And so a way that you can come back to the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and you can do spiritual warfare is with the Bible. Jesus gave us this example Right? When the enemy attacked him, what did he use? He used scripture against the enemy. And so for those of you who, who feel like the weight of the world is crashing in around you before you come, t- turn to Psalm chapter 100. And say, God, I'm going to enter your gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I don't care what's happened out here for the next hour. Maybe the next hour and ten minutes, depending on how long pastor preaches. I'm going to enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart and enter, enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and enter his courts with praise. And so I'm just telling you, last week, not, not to pat myself on the back, but just to tell you I was unwilling to bow down. And I want to challenge you to be unwilling to bow down. Do battle. Pray. Worship God. Verse number 18 continues with keep alert with all perseverance, to persevere in prayer. Prayer is powerful and it's effective. And so persevere with praying in the Spirit. And Paul continues with supplication for all the saints. In other words, we're in this together. And so let's pray for one another. And as followers of Jesus, we're part of a community of faith. We don't run this race of faith alone. And so we do a couple of things in our service in relation to this. One is almost every single week we pray for a different country. And one of the reasons why we do that is because God tells his church to be a house of prayer for the nations. And so it's a practical way that we can pray for nations around the world each Sunday. In addition to that, it exposes all of us and makes us aware if we weren't already and reminds us if we were already aware that we are part of the global church, that there are hundreds of millions of people outside of the United States who are followers of Jesus. Christianity is not limited to the United States of America. It is a global movement. And so we partner our prayers every single Sunday for the global church, and we recognize that we're in community together. The second thing that we do is we leave time at the end of service for prayer. We want people to realize that they're not alone in what they're facing. And so at the end of every service, a team, a prayer team is mobilized, and we extend an invitation for people to come forward who are fighting spiritual warfare or who are dealing with something in their life. And I just want to beg you, please don't miss out on your breakthrough because you're concerned about what somebody's going to think about you. Like all of us need prayer all of the time. Well, maybe you don't. I need prayer all of the time. And so when you look at the end of Ephesians chapter 6, Paul's like, please pray for me, right? Please pray for me that I'll be able to preach the gospel boldly. So I'll say to you, shamelessly, please pray for our staff. Pray that God would embolden us and, and let us work in the power of his anointing, right? But we all need prayer. And so don't worry about what somebody else is going to think about you if you step forward and uh, just 
don't miss out on your breakthrough. The bottom line is that all of us are going to face spiritual warfare. And in order for us to cross this finish line of this race of faith, well, first it's going to take the power and the love of God. Right? That's huge. It, it, clearly, we need the love and the power of God to finish this race of faith. We have this rugged individualism in our Western culture that uses language like uh, we're self-made man or a self-made woman. And we think that success happens in isolation. We also think that toughness is demonstrated by gritting it out alone. And I'll just tell you, it's a faulty worldview. We're made to live in community. And the way that we're gonna cross this finish line is clearly with the love of God and secondly, with the help of Christian community around us. One of the great ways that we experience community is obviously coming to church on Sunday mornings. But in addition to that, is being part of a small group. There are a number of small groups to choose from. There are sisterhood small groups for the ladies in our church. There are men of iron small groups for the men in our church. There are regular small groups for anybody in our church. There's grief share small group for those who've lost uh, a loved one. There's a class that Doyle teaches. So there are multiple options for anybody. And it's an opportunity for you to be in a part of a group that's smaller where you can share each other's burdens. Attacks are going to come, and I want to challenge you to not give the devil more credit than he deserves. How many of you ever heard somebody say, the devil did this? None of you? Okay, I've heard it a lot. The devil made me do this, or uh, the devil's after me, the devil's attacking me this week. The f- my most favorite time of hearing that was when I was a kid, and we were at uh, a property on the Tennessee River, and my grandfather said he was going to knock on the camper door so my sister would come out, and when she came out, I was to spray her with a water hose. My grandfather, I love that man. And he said, um, so I did that, she was so mad, and he said, walk up to her and apologize to her and tell her the devil made you do it. <laughs> But there are people who give way too much credit to the devil. And so they say things like, the devil is attacking me. And I just want to say to you this morning that that's most likely not the case. That if the devil is attacking you, that means that out of 7 billion people on the planet right now, he has deemed you the biggest threat and he's taken up residence in the Cedar Valley just to come after you. Some of you are a little puzzled right now, and I think here's why. is because I think for far too long, believers have given the same amount of power to the devil as what's to God. And so we've ascribed the same attributes that God has to the devil. For instance, God is omnipresent. That means that he can be in all places at all times. The devil is a created being. He does not have the power to be in all places at all times times. And so now you understand that if you say the devil did this, there's most likely that's not the case, but the devil doesn't work in isolation. There is an enemy of our souls. And so it's possible that the enemy is attacking you, but most likely not the devil. And I share that with you because I want you to have an accurate view of God and the devil. They're not equals. They're not even close. One is a creative being, one has always been. And in 1 John, we are 
given this encouragement that greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. And when we ascribe the same attributes of God to the devil, then those words aren't near as encouraging when we recognize that they're not on level playing fields. And so let's quit using language that puts them on on level playing fields. They're just not. James chapter four, verse number seven says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so let me sum up this message for us this morning. Spiritual warfare is par for the course as believers. You're gonna experience it. I wanna encourage you to not swing to the extremes of everything is a spiritual attack or the extreme of nothing is a spiritual attack. But that you would allow the Holy Spirit to help you discern what's going on spiritually and then stand strong in the Lord and in his might with his armor on. To recognize that our enemy's not flesh and blood but instead spiritual forces and with that knowledge, physical defense or attack will not work. You fight spiritual with spiritual. So put on God's armor and pray and persevere. As God's children, we're not placed in a position to lose or retreat. Paul uses these words, that we are to stand firm We're to stand firm, we're to take ground, we're to kick butts, and we're to take names. Right? He's put us in a position to win, not to lose. Let's act like it. The easiest thing for me to do last week would have just been bow down to it, stand up on a stage, and go through the motions. And I'm just telling you, I'm done with that. And I think all of us need to be done with it. Some people quit way too easy. We're called to be victorious in Jesus' name. And finally, we don't do it in isolation. We do it in the love and the power of God. And we do that in the context of a faith community. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? Maybe there's some of you who come in today or you're watching online. And intentionally or inadvertently, you've chosen to be on the devil's team. And you say today, I don't wanna be on his team anymore. I wanna be a follower of Jesus. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him. You say today, I need to see my relationship restored back to my maker in just a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you. You'd say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time and be my Lord and Savior. Or you say, I've turned my back on him and I've walked away from him and today I need to see my relationship restored. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, I see that hand. You can put it down too. There are others. Three, are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's stand all across this room. There were at least four hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and if you raised your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray, say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. 
be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you raise your hand here in person or you prayed that prayer online, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made today. I'm going to lead us in prayer. I just want to pray over you today. The worship team's going to lead us in a song because, again, at the end of the service, we leave time so that everyone realizes that they're not alone. You can come on up, prayer team. Thank you. And so today, if you've come with any need, I would encourage you to step out of your seat and let somebody pray a simple prayer over you and expect supernatural results. So I'm going to pray. The worship team's going to lead us in a song. And I'd encourage you, if you've come with any need today, to step out of your seat and come forward for prayer. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we're grateful that even though these words were written thousands of years ago, that they're still applicable to us today. That your authority, that your might, that your power has not run dry, but that it's limitless. And so today we don't find ourselves as the capital C church in a helpless position against the attacks of the enemy. But instead we're still victorious because we serve an all-powerful, victorious God. Lord, I pray for those in our community that have been deceived by the enemy for far too long, that the blinders would be lifted off of their eyes, that as they're presented with the gospel, that they would follow wholeheartedly after you. God, I pray for those in this room this morning and watching online who are experiencing spiritual warfare, some who've given up and just bowed down to the enemy. I pray that today would be the day that they would choose your side, recognize that you are all-powerful, and persevere in prayer and supplication. God, I pray that as those who are experiencing spiritual warfare today, as they engage in spiritual warfare, as they engage in this battle, that they would see you come out victorious in their life. God, give us the courage to do the right things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.